Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us right here for the Active Church Podcast. We believe that you can tell a better story and we are so glad you are engaging with our content today. You're about to hear from one of our incredible teaching pastors and we hope that you'll be impacted by this message. Thanks again for being with us. Hey everybody, welcome to Active Church at Home. My name is Joe. I'm on the team here and we are in week two of our series, Break the Cycle. Hey, when I was 18 years old, I had the privilege of going to Thailand for three months. And here's the crazy thing. I'm a California kid. Like I've never been outside the country at this point in my life, never been on a plane, hardly been outside the state. And I had the privilege of going to Thailand to work with an awesome organization there. The one thing I was so excited about to experience in Thailand was not necessarily the plane ride, I still hate planes, uh, was not necessarily the food, uh, which was great by the way. It was, get it, seeing an elephant. I know, right? It seems outrageous. I was so excited to see elephants from the second I arrived. I was like, yo, where's all the elephants? It's not like that though. Thailand is an amazing country. And I landed in one of the biggest cities in Thailand called Bangkok. And I was living there for three months. But the entire time I was looking forward to seeing an elephant. And finally, I got the chance to see it as me and one of my buddies, we went out to this village that was nearby. And he said, hey, if you come with me, you may see a wild elephant. And everything inside of me was like, oh my goodness, of course I'm gonna go with you. So I went with him as we were going and I, didn't, I thought to myself, okay, this may not happen, don't freak out, Joe. This may not happen, don't get your hopes up. But let me tell you, as we approached, what I had the privilege of seeing is these trees begin to move to the side and slowly, it was, like, it was like straight out of Lion King, the jungle book. The elephant's tusks came through and he just walked by and I saw him, him huge in his, in his glory, this beautiful, magnificent creature. And I was blown away. I, everything inside me tried not to freak out. I was just thinking how big this thing was, how, how massive, how powerful it was. It was like the earth was moving around it. It was so cool. And then a week later, I had some friends who went to a nearby village that was kind of like a tourist area. And they said, hey, if you come with us, because everybody knew, you're gonna see elephants and you may even be able to ride an elephant. Oh my goodness, this blew my mind. So I went with them about an hour away from the city we were staying in. And as we arrived, there was elephants everywhere. It really was one of those tourist trap destinations, but it was such a cool experience. But one thing I will always vividly remember is that there was something a little bit different about these elephants that were there. You see, there was at one point where there was this area where you can actually feed the elephants. And they came up to this little tiny wooden barrier, tiny wooden barrier, small, like half my size, that can easily be knocked over if somebody bumped into it hard enough. And huge elephants would just walk up to it without any care in the world and wouldn't pass the barrier. And then behind those elephants, I saw a few baby elephants. And you see, what was so interesting is around the big elephants, they had this little tiny rope that was so flimsy that could be torn apart by my hands. And around the baby elephant, they had these giant chains. And thinking to myself, this just seems really backwards. Like these are huge creatures. I just saw them try to move the earth as trees bent around them. And yet here, the mother has something weak wrapped around her leg and the baby seems to have something really big wrapped around his leg. So I asked one of my buddies, why? And he said something to me that I'll always remember. He said, well, the mom elephants forgot how strong they are. 
You see what happens at a, at a small age, they put a heavy chain around their leg. And so when they pull, they hurt themselves. When they try to get away, they feel that weight. And so as they get older, they just get so used to it that they're allowed to put on a small rope and they still think of the big chain that they had on their leg. You see, and that's exactly what this series is about. It's about unlearning some of those things that have been taught to us, some of those things that have happened to us, and some of those ways we've been taught to how to react to this world in order for us to tell a better story, for ordering us to actually break the cycles that have been keeping us down. You see, just like this baby elephant, there's some chains that you and I have to break. There's some thoughts and mentalities that you and I have to break. Just like this mother elephant, there's some ways of thinking that have held us down that we've just become okay with experiencing, okay with understanding. And maybe many of us don't even recognize what some of those things are. Because maybe some of those things have just been passed down from generation to generation to generation. We all know that we all inherit things from our parents, right? Genetically speaking, we can't really do a whole lot about some of the things that we inherit from our parents. Like, let me tell you, I hated when people told me that I looked like my dad. People, I still hate it to this day, but I, as I'm realizing, as I'm getting a little older, I'm realizing that this jawline, this chin, our profiles, if you line me, my brother, and my dad up, you're gonna know exactly what family line we come from because the Valenzuela chin is strong and I'm beginning to see it in my little sister. And what it's probably gonna happen is genetically, it's gonna get passed down to my kids. The reality is that you can't run from this Valenzuela chin. But let's be real, that there are some other things that we can control about the things that have been passed down from generation to generation to generation. There are some really great things that have been passed down. But if we're honest with ourselves, there are probably also some really unhealthy things that have been passed down. And I'm guessing that there are some of the, a few of those unhealthy things that you have inherited that you now see yourself passing down to those around you and maybe even your kids. There are just some things in our life that we have to unlearn. And they're not all from our parents and they're not all from our stories uh, that our parents have taught us. Some of them are from our culture, from our friendships, from the locker room, from our city values, to the people and places around us, and maybe even from our church settings that we've grown up in. There are lots of people and places that have shaped how we relate to other people and the way we react to life. So as we head into today, please don't think of this, like Pastor Mike said last week, this is not a bashing session of our parents. This is not an opportunity for us to look at our family lineage or our origin stories and going, everything was wrong. No, this is a chance for us to be thoughtful with unlearning some of the things that keep us down, that keep the chain on our leg, that keep us from moving forward into the better future that God has for us. Because a part, part of becoming like Christ is surrendering the things that Christ doesn't want in us. Part of becoming like Christ is surrendering those pieces of our story that are sometimes unbearable for us to even carry. And I don't wanna unlive with unhealthy tendencies anymore. And I know you don't wanna live with unhealthy tendencies anymore. And at some point, you and I both have to say, this stops with me. This stops with my family. This stops with my generation. Today, we're saying we are going to break the cycle so today we're going to be talking about breaking the cycle of emotional pain because like that elephant, I imagine many of us have chains around our ankle that we forget about or maybe forgot or maybe just didn't even know existed. 
So to begin our story, or begin our time together, we're going to be sharing, uh, uh, we're going to be talking about some redwood trees. Have you ever seen a redwood before? Oh my gosh, they're so beautiful. When I was in my 20s, I used to go backpacking every year, and we'd go to different spots all throughout California. And one of the places I loved going more than anywhere was some of the redwood forests in Northern California. If you've never been around a redwood tree or in a redwood forest, it's something that you got to put on your bucket list. It's beautiful. These trees that stand 250 to 325 feet high in the sky, nothing makes you feel smaller and more in awe of God's creation than standing underneath the redwood trees. They're beautiful. They stand high. They soar to the sky. There's something that's so fascinating about them. The thing about redwood trees that we don't know is that you can learn a lot about it, not by its outside, but by its inside. You see, if you cut open a redwood tree and you examine a cross-section of its log, what you'll see is that there's some rings inside of it. And as you look at these rings, what you'll see is that these rings are actually the autobiography of this tree's life. Meaning you can look at one of the rings and see what happened that year in that tree's life. You can look at one ring and say like, oh wow, there was a lot of rain that year. Or maybe another ring will show that there was a lot of drought. Another ring might tell you about a fire that happened in the area. Another ring might share about how uh, birds infested it one year. The rings on a redwood tell the story about the redwood. What you can't see on the outside, you see on the inside. The inner rings tell the story of that tree. If we were able to cut you open, what would your rings tell about you? Because reality is we all have rings. You know that. We have stories, we have years of our life that we remember. We have moments that have stayed with us forever. What would the rings of your story tell about you? Maybe there's a ring that tells a story about how you spend an entire year trying to make a boy fall for you. And you did everything you can. You dressed up real nice, you got real pretty, you said the right things, you talked to them in class, and still they decided to talk with your best friend instead. Maybe there's a ring that tells about how an angry mother or father shared some words with you out of anger that they should have never said. And those words still ring in your ear to this day. Maybe there's a ring that shows a time that you tried your hardest to get the best grades that you absolutely can. You worked so hard and finally you brought that report card home and mom and dad still weren't impressed with it. Maybe there's a ring that shows a spouse walking away and closing the door after a decade of marriage. And you're thinking to yourself, what am I going to do now with this life? Maybe there's a ring about a phone call that was made or a phone call that was received that would forever change everything because that person was no longer going to be in your life anymore or somebody else wasn't going to be in your life anymore. Maybe for some of us, there's a ring that reveals a time that somebody violated you. They violated your space and they took something from you that they had no right taking. Maybe there's a ring that reminds you about a time that your parents decided to call it quits. And when they decided to call it quits, you understood because you wanted them to be happy. But in the middle of it, you weren't happy. And you felt like just collateral damage and all of it. One thing I know is that if we want to break the cycle, if we want to grow strong, if we want to soar high, if we want to be like these redwood trees, if we want to tell a better story and break the cycles that have kept us down from those things, we have to examine the rings of our life. I love what Brene Brown says. She says, if we don't own our story, our story ends up owning us. And every one of our stories, there are things that we've wanted to stuff away. 
In every one of our stories, there's uncomfortable truths. There's things that we want to forget about and we want to just pause or put on the back burner or act like never happened. I know I've been there. I have those moments in my story where I think about those things that I've done or the things that I've gone through or the things that have happened in my life. And I just want to act like they don't exist. But the reality is if I don't own those things, those things will end up owning me. Our emotions are driven by narratives. And marketing experts know this. That's why in every good marketing campaign, you'll see people are placed in a story. And that story convinces you and I that we need this product or our narratives will never be the same. Our emotions are driven by narratives. And that's why we have to be so thoughtful with looking at the stories, the moments, the things that have shaped our rings, including our family legacy and where we come from. For us to break the cycle, we have to pull back examine our rings, and tell ourselves the uncomfortable truths. Because without the uncomfortable truths, you know this, we're destined to pass on uncomfortable futures to those we love, to those around us, to those we haven't even met yet. How do you handle uncomfortable truths? Do you just turn up the volume and act like it doesn't exist? Anybody want to be real? You're driving your car, you hear some noises in your car, you just turn the volume up because you don't want to deal with it because you got too much going on. How does that usually end up? It doesn't end up the best. And this is also why I love the book of Psalms. See, when we look at the book of Psalms, what we often don't know is how raw and honest and real it is. You see, like, while we are turning up the volume because we don't want to take care of the pain, what the book of Psalms does is acknowledges pain. It acknowledges hurt. It's very real with its emotions. And it says, I'm going to pop the trunk and I'm going to get in there and I'm going to hand them to a heavenly father who absolutely loves me and wants to know my story and know my rings. And in the book of Psalms, that's why we see these men and women who are, who are in love with God being completely vulnerable and raw with how they're feeling about God. You see, they want to follow God, but sometimes it's not that easy for them because the world around them is causing them to react in ways that they don't want to react that's why we have stories of Solomon sharing about how he, who is a king, Solomon, King Solomon, how he, how he is struggling with trusting God's plan. That's why we get stories and, and psalms by David, King David, who is considered a man after God's own heart, who writes about his fears of leading and his fears about if God is going to come through and fears about if his enemies are going to win. When we read the psalms, we realize, man, we, we live in a different time. But people, even though we're 2,000 years removed from this, still struggle with the same things. Insecurity, loneliness, fear, doubt, uncertainty. In one of his Psalms, David, who was considered a man after God's own heart, was the king of Israel. He shares these words about examining our hearts and examining our rings and letting God examine our rings. He says this, O Lord, you have examined my heart. You know everything about me. You know where I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say, even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. What David is saying, God, you are just so wonderful. And the fact that you know me, I'm just blown away by it. I am, I am over the moon with the fact that you know me and you want to know me. It's beautiful, God, and I'm so thankful for that. 
He keeps going in verse 7. I can never escape your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask all the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. The darkness and light are the same to you. David is saying that God, you know me, and you see me, and that doesn't scare me. You see, often we can read this and go like, oh man, God's watching us everywhere, kind of like Santa Claus, just seeing if he's on, we're on the naughty or nice list. No, David is saying right here, like he finds it absolutely beautiful because God knows him and wants to be with him. He knows everything about him. He knows the ins and outs of him. He knows his heart. He knows the blind spots. He knows what he thinks about when nobody's looking. And still, God wants to be with him wherever he goes. He considers that a privilege. He considers that so beautiful. He considers that so exciting. He says, I'm not afraid of you knowing me, God, because you aren't trying to control me or get me. You just want to be with me. I can shake and shock anybody. I can make people consider something about me. I can, I, can, I can trick people into believing certain things about my life or the way I want them to think about me. But he's saying, no, God, you know me, and I don't got to convince you, and you still want to be with me. Which makes what he says at the end of this psalm even more powerful. Verse 23, he says, knowing all of this, knowing everything, knowing that you know me and you want to be with me, he says, search me, oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Man, what a prayer. Search me. Test me. Point out anything in me and lead me. To everlasting life. Can we just, can we let that be our prayer? Search me, test me, point out anything in me and lead me. David's willing to walk through uncomfortable truths with God because he knows that God has the best in mind for him. But he also knows that when we walk through uncomfortable truths, we find real freedom and the power to unlearn the things that have been taught to us. David is saying right here, God, if I have blind spots, get it out of me. If I have things that I'm not seeing that you see, get them, get them out of my life. If I have parts of my story that I've just hidden away and locked in a closet, God, I want you to reveal those things to me. I want you to remind me of those things because I want to find real freedom. God, if there's anything in my heart that is keeping me from following you, anything that is keeping me from loving people the way that you expect me to love people, God, whether that's hatred, whether that's apathy, whether that is emotions that just keep me chained down, God, search me. Find those things, test my anxious thoughts, point them out, God, and lead me. What do we do with uncomfortable truths? What have we done with uncomfortable truths? What have you done with uncomfortable truths? Are you willing to walk through the uncomfortable if you know freedom is on the other side of it? We all have rings, we all have pain, but this pain doesn't deserve to be in the driver's seat. And until we take an honest inventory of the things that are steering us, our emotions and where they come from, 
we're, we're handing the keys to somebody who doesn't deserve him. We're handing the keys to emotions that aren't ready. In his book, The Deeply Formed Life, Rich Villadis puts it like this. Limited reflection leads to dangerous reactions. Man, he is so right. If you and I don't take the time to look inside and keep cranking up the volume and keep ignoring what's actually going on in our engine, what we're gonna do is we're gonna keep passing these things on. He's right on. We gotta take inventory of our lives, why we are the way we are, why we, are dest- why we have been placed in this position, why the stories of our lives, why our rings have shaped who we are today, because if not, we are destined to pass on the cycle to those around us. There's so much my mom and dad have taught me about life. I love my mom and dad. I love what they have given me. I love the story that I'm able to tell with them. Um, but let me just, let me be honest with you, it wasn't always the easiest story. You see, my my mom and dad, they put in me a desire to work hard. They've put in me a desire to raise the bar. They've always believed in me. They've always knew that I could be something or do something, you know, but it it did come at a cost sometimes. If I'm honest, my dad, he taught me a great amount about working hard, but he also taught me a great amount about workaholism. My dad taught me a whole lot about raising the bar and, and pushing myself. My dad also did teach me that Sometimes I gotta earn my worth. And so there's these things that are really great about my legacy, but there's a lot of things that I still have to unlearn to this day, and some things, some dysfunctions that I'm still unlearning, some health, some some communication tactics, some anger that's still in my heart that I haven't solved yet. I'm unlearning a lot of things. And my dad, like I said, my dad and mom, I love them, but I have to be honest, and there's some things I have to unlearn. And the best part is I get to unlearn with them now. In examining our family origin and these generational cycles, Rich Velatis in his book gives three categories that we can thoughtfully and helpfully examine our family origins and examine, examine our family rings. And those three are patterns, trauma, and scripts. Patterns, trauma, and scripts. It's three ways that we can begin to look at our rings and understand them rather than just trying to do it all at one time. These three categories can help us strategically and thoughtfully begin to hand God the things that we need to hand and be thoughtful about the things that we need to examine in our life. Let's talk about patterns. What patterns are, they're repeated behaviors, practices, habits, ways of thinking that extend from one generation to the next. It's those things that you've seen just come up over and over again in your family. There's those things that you can think of right now that just keep happening from generation to generation. Have you ever said something or done something and been like, man, I sound like my dad. I sound like my mom right now. I sound like my uncle. I sound like my grandpa. Maybe you're a parent and you're starting to see grandma and grandpa come up in your kids. And you're like, man, that's not actually grandma and grandpa. That's me. And I got that from grandma and grandpa. Maybe you're seeing patterns when you think about the divorce history in your family, the relationship issues in your family, running when things got hard. Maybe you've seen patterns of anxiousness, patterns of anger. You see, my mom was a worrier, and when she worried, she would pace. And guess what I do when I'm worried? I pace, I can't sit down. When we can identify these patterns, it puts us in a place of truth. When we work from a place of reality, we are on our way towards freedom. See, the way that we define success, the way we look at beauty, the way that we understand our worth, the way that you see yourself to this day might not just be because of your parents. It might be because your grandparents as well, and they got passed down. And beyond that, 
it might be because of the cultures that we live in. Might be because that we are in a culture that if we are, uh, if we show fear, that's a sign of weakness. Maybe some cultures they say if you show anger, that's frowned upon. In some cultures, if you don't do what the parent says, then you are outside of the family narrative. Sometimes our culture can be the very thing that keeps us unaware of the cycles that we're in. Sometimes there's church culture that says that if you show grief. That you are somehow you're not you're not walking in faith. Those are things that we have to unlearn. Those are things that have been taught to us that aren't necessarily what God wants for us. You see, we have positive legacies that we've been handed, we've inherited, like a work ethic, a love of nature. Maybe you have a love of sports, some hobbies that you gain from mom and dad. Maybe some of you even have your faith because your parents. But there's some legacies that were passed down that weren't so great, and we have to be thoughtful about, like workaholism, conflict avoidance, having a short fuse, commitment issues in relationships, maybe dishonesty when confronted with the truth. Can we be thoughtful about looking at those patterns in our family? Because when we look at those patterns, we're going to find freedom on the other side of those uncomfortable things that we have to weed through. The second thing he invites us to look at is the trauma that's happened in our life, the trauma that's happened in our rings.、Um, trauma is the things that have happened to you that are going to stick with you forever. You know, sometimes it's those things that you wish never happened to you. It's those moments of life that feel like forever changed your entire narrative. But there are also some of those things that you wish did happen to you, like your family maybe was around, but maybe they were always the weren't, weren't the most affectionate. Or weren't the most thoughtful with their words. Maybe you felt voiceless in a family, in a sea of people. Everybody was always there, but you kind of felt voiceless. You see, trauma is those things that have occurred to you that stick with you, and those stories that you hold on to.、Um, I'm so bad at being wrong. If I, if I can just be honest, me and my wife a few days ago,、uh, we were looking for my AirPods, which she lost,、um, but they're actually her AirPods because she uses them more than me. But that's a whole another another conversation about two becoming one flesh. Anyways, so we were looking everywhere, all over the house for my slash her AirPods, and、um, I loved it. I was kind of gloating because she doesn't lose anything. Like I'm so good. Like I'm gonna tell you, I I'm so good at losing things. You can hand me something, I'll forget. It's not because I don't care. It's just my brain is just like it goes everywhere, right? But she knows where it's at all the time. I can call her. She can be in another city.、I'd、be like, hey, where's my jacket that I used three months ago? She'll know exactly where it's at. So she lost my AirPods, and I'm excited because it's not my fault. And so I'm kind of gloating, and I'm asking her the questions that she asks me all the time. Like, well, where's the last place you put it? Well,、uh, if you put it in the same spot all the time, you're not going to lose it. Well, let's retrace your steps. Where's the last spot? Let's let's work backwards from there. So I'm enjoying this. I'm not too worried about the AirPods. I know they're going to come up eventually. But I can tell she's kind of getting a little frustrated because she's like, I, I I lost this and I don't usually lose things. So I decided to give her some space, like a good husband. I'm like, all right, I got some errands to run. I'm gonna go do my thing. You can keep looking if you want to keep looking. We've been looking for an hour already. So I'm doing some errands. I get a phone call about a half an hour later. She says, "Hey," and I say, "Hey," and I say, "How's the AirPods search going?" She says, "Well, I found them." And I said, "Oh wow, where did you find them?" And now in my heart, this is bad. I need to repent. I'm bummed because she found the AirPods. I was really excited that she lost the AirPods. I was excited that I was in the spot where I was able to gloat for a second. But 
here I was, all right, fine, where'd you find the AirPods? And she says, I found them in your backpack, which I asked you to check. She did, and I did check. I didn't see them there. But immediately as she said that, as, as the words left her mouth, my defenses went up. Like, why, why would it be in my backpack? Who put it in my backpack? Why would I put my slash your AirPods, which you mostly use, in my backpack? My defenses went up immediately. You know where that comes from? It comes from me never wanting to be wrong with my dad. It's my dad. God was, was never wrong. And I knew that. And I was so afraid of being wrong because oftentimes when I was in the wrong, I was in trouble. And so I have this aversion to being wrong where I have the gift of gab in order to get me out of being wrong because of the trauma that happened in my life. And unless I'm aware of that, I'm going to keep perpetuating those things. Trauma will infect the rest of the parts of our life if we're not aware of them. I lived in a high expectation household and I was afraid of failing and being wrong. And if I failed, I felt like I wasn't good. But now I'm learning that that's not how it's supposed to be. And you know that's how now it's supposed to be. But why do we still act like that? It's because we're not aware of the trauma. What trauma is the part of your rings? And finally, scripts. Those, those scripts are the roles that we've been handed. Maybe they've never been, you've never been told this is your script, but you know it's your script to be the one that has everything put together. You know it's your script to be the one that makes sure you're the glue of the family, that when everything else is falling apart, you have to carry the weight of the family. Maybe you have the script of being the baby in the family and everybody's always done everything for you, but you have such an awareness and such a love for your siblings and love for the people around you, but everybody else calls you the baby. You just don't realize you're the baby. What script have you been given? What part of your life are you living out because of the script that you've been handed in your life? We have to be thoughtful about our patterns, our trauma, and our scripts, because when we begin to think about those things, we can thoughtfully hand them to God and say, God, search me, test me, point out anything wrong in me and lead me towards freedom. One final thing. As we finish our time together, I want to go back to the Redwoods. You see, I, I talked about how they, they soar 250 feet high into the sky, these beautiful giants on our earth, and we just walk in the shade of them. The thing that blows me away about them is that their roots are only six feet deep meaning a 250-plus foot tree is held by six feet of gravel, six feet of roots that are planted into the ground. And that blows my mind, but the reason that six feet is able to hold 250 to 300 feet of redwood is because it doesn't grow down. The roots grow out, and they wrap around each other, and they link arms almost. Those roots link into each other. Isn't there something beautiful about that? Isn't there, something that, isn't there something we can learn from the redwood trees as we think about that today? Is that we are not meant to do life alone, nor are we meant to be doing this examining alone. We have to extend our roots. I love what James, Jesus', uh, Jesus brother, says. He says, James 5.16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Healing happens when we are known 
and we make it known. Healing happens when you're known and you make it known. If you want to break the cycle, you can't do it alone. You need to do this examination with your friends. You need to extend your roots and get around really good people. I have some men in my life that I can go to for anything, for the good, the bad, the ugly, the sad, the ups, the downs, the highs, the lows. I can go to them for anything. We can sit down, have a really good meal and get really real. We can laugh, we can joke, we can make fun of each other. But when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, they are going to continually point me back to healthy examination. They're not going to let me be owned by my patterns. They're not going to let me be owned by my trauma. They're not going to let me just keep reading the lines on my script. They're going to say, no, Joe, you're better than that. God has destined you, you more from that. Jesus came to break those chains. Jesus came to give you life. And they're going to point me to the absolute truth. But that happens when I extend my roots. You aren't meant to do life alone. And that may sound cliche to you, but this process of having God search your heart, he didn't mean for you just to do it in a vacuum chamber. No, we need each other and you need to let someone in. I'm going to give you one place where you can start. You see, those kind of friends they're available here. They're available at this church, in this community. In the next few weeks, you're going to be hearing a lot about something we call connection groups around here. And our goal of connection groups is to connect you with other people and, can, and through those connections, connect you guys to God. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be launching some connection groups that are going to be meeting on our campus. And there's a connection group for everyone. And when I say everyone, I mean everyone. We're going to have a women's, a couple women's connection groups. We're going to have a couple men's connection groups. They're each going to be going through their own different things. We're going to have a, a connection group that talks about staying in love because it's one thing to fall in love. It's another thing to stay in love. We're going to have a connection group about finances. Why? Because the struggle is real and we all know it and we need to talk about, about it. So if you want to stay in the know, keep checking us out. Instagram, Facebook, over the next three weeks, you're going to be hearing more about that. On January 23rd, we're going to be launching that Connection Group Sunday. You don't want to miss it. Whether you're watching online, whether you're watching in the room, it's going to be such a great day for you to begin to extend your roots because you are not meant to break the cycle on your own. Breaking the cycle happens together. Now, speaking of together, have you let Jesus in on this yet? The fact that you don't want to live like this anymore. The fact that you're tired of this weight around your ankle. The fact that there's these things in your life that maybe you've been blind to, that you don't want to be blind to anymore. Can we just go back to our prayer as we close our time together? Search me. Test me. Point out anything in me. And lead me, God. Let's say it. Say it together. Search me. Test me. Point out anything in me. And lead me, God. Search me. Test me. Point out anything in me and lead me, God. See, when we are praying this prayer with a community around us who believes that we can tell a better story, that believes that we aren't held down by the patterns, traumas, and scripts, that believes that we can break these things and lean into the love of Jesus, our Heavenly Father, who sees us and knows us and wants us. When we are around that kind of community, when we're thoughtful with our examination, and when we're handing over God all of our emotional pain from our past, our present, so we, so we can tell a better story in our future, what happens? It's freedom. Freedom's possible for you. And we want to be with you on that road as you continually take those next steps. Will you pray with me as we continually break the cycle together?
Father God, we want to break the cycle. We want to break the cycle of our past and our presence. We want to break those cycles of the things that have kept us down, God, that we aren't even aware of. God, if there's anything in us, help us examine our rings. Help us extend our roots, God. Help us find that community that we need in order to tell a better story. We love you, Jesus, and we can't wait to see what you do as we continually move toward healing. We all lift this up in your son's holy name and all God's people said, amen. We hope you enjoy the Active Church podcast. If you want to know more about Active Church, you can follow us on our social media platforms at Active Churches. Don't forget to subscribe as well to stay connected to future podcasts. And if you are a local, we would love for you to experience the room with us. Sunday services are 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. in Yukaipa. See you next time.